When you enrich the lives of your employees through purpose-powered leadership, they'll grow your business for you. Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast, where you'll discover how to champion a culture of courage and love. Stop dealing with symptoms and get to the root of the problems in your business. This is the Higher Purpose Podcast with your host, Kevin Monroe. Hey, it's Kevin Monroe. I'm delighted to be back with you for another episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. We're rolling along in our series of conversations with purpose-powered business leaders and owners, and we've got a great one on tap for you today. I'm joined by Russ Stoddard. Russ is the founder and CEO of Oliver Russell. It's an ad agency in Boise, Idaho. Well, let me correct that. I left something important out. You see, Oliver Russell is not just any ad agency. Oliver Russell is a purpose-driven agency. And I like the sound of that. And if you're wondering what that means, stick around as it's one of the things we'll be exploring in our conversation with Russ. I want to thank Blossom Johnston for connecting Russ and me. And let me explain. Here's how this works. I met Blossom about 15 years ago when I was doing consulting work for SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration. And I was doing work in the state of Idaho along with a bunch of other states. But I met Blossom in Idaho. And it's been a long time since we've really had close connection or conversation. But a few weeks ago, I posted a casting call on LinkedIn and shared that I was on the hunt for amazing purpose-powered business leaders to interview and include in this series we're doing. Blossom responded and asked, do you know Russ Stoddard? He's a pioneer of purpose-driven business. Well, up to that point, I had no idea who Russ was. But now I do. And I'm extremely grateful for the connection, Blossom. So here's an important point for you to remember. None of you knows everybody you need to know. But everybody you know knows somebody you need to know. The key is involving people you know to connect to the people you need to know that they already know. So how do you do that? Well, The best way I know to do it in my life is to ask. The people I know and hang out with, people like you listening to this podcast right now, are generous with your connections. And I believe most people are. So thanks again, Blossom, for the introduction. Besides being a business owner, Russ is an author of an excellent book, Rise Up, and an advocate for purpose-powered business. I'm excited about his contribution to our conversation. Let's get rolling and see what Russ has to share with us today. Welcome, Russ. Hey, man. It's great to be here. Ah, I'm delighted to have you. So what's, what's something? Let's just get started real personal. What's something you'd like us to know about you that helps us get acquainted with the real Russ Stoddard? Oh, well, why don't I go back a little uh, ways in time? <clears throat> During college, uh, I became a uh, river guide on uh, whitewater rivers here in Idaho. Uh, and it's been a long time. I did that for about uh, uh, seven years. And I often have uh, occasion for a couple of reasons to look back on that. It, uh, it taught me uh, an awful lot about uh, hard work. You were up at six in the morning all the way till uh, 10 o'clock at night. You were dealing with people in unfamiliar uh, environments as uh, far as being their guide and 
were entrusted not only with their 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 safety but with uh, uh, their entertainment uh, as well. Um, being out on a river, you're you're forced to confront new decisions every day. A rock may have changed placement in a river or what have you. So you learn how to visit, uh, pivot, which is also a a mighty good uh, skill to have as a, a business person. And then the other aspect of that is I, I was fortunate in that I passed it on to uh, my daughter who uh, became a, a, a river guide and I did it five to seven, seven-ish years. And I think she's on year number 13 now. So it really took with her. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about times I've rafted rivers and thinking of the guides that really made those trips exceptional because there were some, like you said, it wasn't just the, the safety, but it was also the entertainment and enjoyment that really good guides brought to the process. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, uh, uh, the river has changed immeasurably by the experience of the people that you uh, uh, travel on it with. For that's sure. True. That's true. <laughs> uh, that, that's true metaphorically and in reality. Ah, uh, yeah. River as metaphor. That goes all the way back to Siddhartha, right? <laughs> it does. So, Russ, at this point in time, how do you describe your personal purpose? Oh, my personal purpose. Uh, well, gosh, uh, how would I uh, really look at that? You know, I, I I was put on this earth to help other people. And the, uh, the best way that I can uh, uh, help them is through my business. Uh, which, which has, of, of course, a socially responsible, I won't even say component. I mean, the entire business is about social responsibility and creating social and environmental impact. So uh, every day I'm able to help people in the community, uh, whether it's uh, re- refugees who are trying to do some job training to a nonprofit that needs help uh, building trails in our foothills all the way inside uh, our office as far as creating uh, uh, jobs that are fair, equitable, rewarding, and create a sense of meaning in people's lives. All right. So, folks, right there, you just got a, a little preview of what's coming. This is going to be a very rich and deep conversation, uh, multifaceted about purpose in business. And, and I can't wait to unpack that with you, Russ. Awesome, man. Let's do it. Yeah. So, tell us a bit before we get into that. What was the journey you traveled? that led you to doing business on purpose? Oh, you know, uh, it's interesting. It's, uh, it's like it was uh, built into my DNA from the time I popped out of the womb in some, some regards. I've always been an entrepreneur from, you know, everything from lemonade stands to uh, having raffles in high school. Um, and I've always uh, liked helping people, always been a volunteer throughout my entire life. So I, I guess it's just part of my DNA. And when I started Oliver Russell oh, nearly 27 years ago, we started it with a very strong uh, foundation around uh, uh, values. And uh, at the heart of those values is social responsibility. So that's the number one value. Next is creativity. Next is collaboration. And then the last one is to be progressive, which we define as moving forward by embracing change. Okay. Now, I want to talk about values, come back to those in a few moments. But before that, what's your favorite way of introducing Oliver Russell? Because 
people may not know who you are or what Oliver Russell is. So let's get him acquainted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we are a a branding agency here in Boise, Idaho. We build brands for purpose uh, driven companies and organizations that have either a a product service or business model that intentionally uh, benefits society. As I said, we specialize in branding. We also have core practice groups in uh, digital marketing, uh, PR and a a new consulting arm that we're launching and uh, the types of uh, companies we're involved with most frequently would be in the uh, tech sectors, uh, healthy living sectors, social enterprise, and and startups. And we work with companies. It, it, it's funny we're we're here in, in Boise, uh, but most of our work comes from well beyond Boise, with clients in Silicon Valley, Singapore, all the way to the Smithsonian. Wow! Yeah, and before we were were recording, you actually said they're they're people. Uh, around the world that understand what you do better than folks in Boise. They're just kind of like, well, what is that Oliver Russell thing? Well, I wonder if that isn't just a basic uh, uh, human uh, uh, truth, right? You know, I remember uh, going down to New Zealand uh, a long time ago as a young man to hitchhike around, and I'd I'd ask somebody, hey, have you been to Rotorua, or have you been to the uh, Southern Alps? And they're like, no, we haven't been there. And of course, these are places that people come from around the world to uh, visit, and they're right in your own backyard, and you just don't pay attention to them. So, imagine maybe that's the case with us uh, here in our hometown of Boise. Yeah, yeah. So you started talking about the the, the folks you serve are really purpose pursuing, purpose driven companies. When was it, or how was it, you decided that's the client you wanted to serve? Oh wow! It uh, it goes back. Oh, let me see. I'm going to guess about seven or eight years ago where I kind of had the the wild hair to uh, pursue uh, companies and organizations like this as our primary clients. And I hired a, hired a very, very smart uh, business development consultant and he did a little research for me and he came back and said, wow, Russ, I want to walk you back from the edge there. He said, there are only a couple of agencies of any size. Uh, and he said, that's like 13, 14 people around the uh, country that uh, are, are doing business in that space and they're just barely break even. So I don't think it's a very smart uh, move for you. At that, at that juncture, we probably had 25 people. So we were already larger than that. We were strongly profitable. So I backed off from it from for a while. Uh, in the meantime, I co-founded a, a startup called Social Good Network, which uh, flew high for a very, very short while and then it crashed Uh, but the uh, value of that experience among others was that I could see something happening out there in the world and it got me exposure well beyond Boise whether that's to venture capitalists in San Francisco or uh, technologists in uh, 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 Los Angeles and Silicon Beach and I was like you know what? I think there is a business here. I think the world is starting to change. So about four years ago, we just kind of uh, jumped into it uh, uh, all the way up to our neck and then beyond and basically put that positioning on our website, started focusing our efforts in that way. See, four years ago, we had 15% of our clients fell into that category. And right now we're at about 85% of our uh, clients fall into the purpose-driven category. 
Wow. So that you flipped it in four years. Dude, we flipped it. And that's not to say it was easy. There weren't times that I thought, boy, I really goofed up on this one. Uh, but, but we made it. Well, I want to talk about that. What was it that caused you to think we goofed up? Oh, well, you know, if you go several months without getting a new client yeah. and uh, it's just kind of dry uh, and you're looking at your cash flow and you have to make payroll, all those sort of business type uh, uh, things that have to occur and nothing's going on, then, of course, it, it causes you to have a little round of self-questioning. Doubt enters the equation. Uh, and it's interesting about... A year and a half, two years into it, I I took my wife for a walk out in the Owyhee Desert, and I said, okay, so here's the deal. If we don't get some new clients in about three weeks, I might have to shut her down. And she said, you're kidding me. And I said, no, no, I think think in three weeks we're going to have to make a decision, and it might just be that we have to shut her down. At that point, the business had been around for, you know, 24 years or what have you. And then, of course, guess what happens in the course of the next three weeks? We got three very large clients wow. who contacted us and engaged us for work. Wow. And wow. so from, from there on, it just kind of, not that it hasn't been without its, its, its bumps, but it just took off from there. Thanks for sharing that. I, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure that is encouraging to someone or someone's listening that that can relate to those dry spells based on decisions they made to do more purpose, incorporate purpose into their life, work, or business. So, hey, friend, you listening, I want to talk to you just a moment. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to weave some points from Russ's book, Rise Up Into Our Conversation. I don't want to make this conversation exclusively about the book, but I want to, because I don't want to stop talking about Oliver Russell, but I want to weave these in. When Russ and I first met, I was doing some research to, just to get acquainted and learn more about him. And he told me about this book, which I read and devoured and, and suggest you read it too, if you're, if you're in the path of pursuing purpose in business. So back to Russ. In the book, you talked about how combining purpose and profit in your work made the work more meaningful but for you, it wasn't enough. Will you say more about that? Uh, well, I, I think what I really was uh, trying to say there in some regards is that, uh, uh, you know, it is, it's, first of all, being a business entrepreneur, business owner, it's tough. It is just stinking tough. Then to try and make a financial profit on top of that, that's uh, another challenge as as well. Uh, And I I think ultimately I did not find enough meaning on that, even when we were totally kicking butt and making money hand over uh, fist. You know, you can lose a lot of money, you can make a lot of money. But at least for me, there comes a certain point in time when, you know, the stack of money, it's like... What would I want to do with that anyway? And there wasn't e- enough. So you, you add a dollop of, of purpose to the scale and you actually uh, decide to make a, a financial profit, a byproduct of activating higher purpose, not only in your business and your workplace and your community, but with the types of organizations that you choose to work with, whether that's a nonprofit, whether that's a private foundation, whether that's 
an underserved community, say like refugees or women entrepreneurs or low-income single moms. And I tell you, man, that's the kind of stuff that really makes your heart heart swell up and uh, gives you the return. And, you know, when you look back on a day, sometimes you go, I don't know what I did, but I did some good, which is entirely different than those days when you just say, I don't know what I did, and I didn't feel very good about it. (laughs) So, Russ, I'm wondering, what kind of interest or were there interesting conversations as you made this transition with other business owners or leaders that you know or with customers, clients that you had served? And they're like, OK, what, what is this change about that you're making? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, um, uh, I've always loved uh, teaching Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was an opportunity to uh, really share a new uh, type of business model, whether it was uh, with someone at City Hall, whether it's with a young group of uh, college students or or a client, which is that uh, financial profit and social and environment and social and uh, environmental impact are not mutually exclusive. Um, so, so for me, it was like an opportunity to differentiate our business and also proselytize about something that I feel very, very uh, forcefully about, which is business and its opportunity and power to do good in the world. Okay. Uh, now, I'm going to just tell you here, you're going to be the first guest on the Higher Purpose Podcast, where we've really gone deep talking about this. Talking awesome, about man. the structure of business. Yeah, that's why I'm excited about this and the B Corp and all of that. So what's the difference between being a social enterprise and being socially responsible or involved as a business? Uh, yeah, well, you know, uh, the uh, nomenclature is confusing to so many people. So I might give you uh, one definition or distinction and someone else will, will give you a, another. I, I would Sorry, say that yes on the show, we're going with yours at this moment. <laughs> okay. I, I would say, you know, being socially uh, re- responsible would be more uh, surface level. And oftentimes businesses define that by the uh, f- philanthropy that they uh, have in a uh, community. Oftentimes it's more about donations and a, a social enterprise is actually uh, an entity that very intentionally puts social responsibility at the core of its business and everything springs from there. How you treat your employees, how you are involved in your uh, community, how you look at things beyond shareholders as more of a stakeholder approach, how you look at your supply chain for environmental impact. It's really at the core of your business, at the end of the day, you have a, a purpose statement that says, hey, you know, th- this is not about being the best company in the world. This is about being the type of company that makes the best change for the world. Wow. Okay, we're going to quote that one. That was a great <laughs> Say that again. At the end oh, jeez. <laughs> I was going to say, I say stuff like that and I go, I don't know if I could say it again. Uh, yeah, I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, we'll get that off the recording. But that was a great statement. That was a great statement. So uh, Oliver Russell is organized as a public benefit corporation. Yes. What does that mean in a nutshell? Oh, uh, you know, about, oh, crikey, 
about eight years ago, uh, they started a new type of uh, uh, corporate uh, structure in the country, and I believe it was first enacted in Maryland, and now there are 34 states, I believe, that have public benefit corporation legislation. So what that does is a, a couple things. First of all, it gives you the legal flexibility to pursue social and environmental outcomes that create uh, public benefit. Uh, in the same way that you might want to create financial profit. So you wouldn't be able to have a, a shareholder in your company who could file a lawsuit saying that you actually hurt uh, earnings this year because you were out volunteering or you're doing something else. Uh, it basically preserves your, your right to do that. At the same time, it also gives you the responsibility that you need to report transparently and publicly each year the actual public benefit that you pursued and created. Now, that is amazing. And that, yeah. is, that really is a higher level of accountability, a higher level of commitment from the company. And as you said, I love the legal cover, the legal, even legal obligation uh, for business to be committed to the public good, not just, as you said, that this is something we're voluntarily doing. And then somebody goes, forces your hand to stop doing it, as has happened in some public companies. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, part of it, too, is really authenticating your purpose by actually uh, changing your corporate governance. And that's a, a way that kind of prove, prove what you're doing to uh, walk the talk simply rather than talking about it. Yeah. OK. And then you even went a little farther down that journey and took B Corp certification. Yeah. Fill us in about that for folks that may not understand B Corp certification. Oh, B Corp certification. It's run by a nonprofit called uh, uh, B Lab, and it's a very, very rigorous uh, independent third party assessment of your uh, social and environmental performance uh, as, as a, a company. Um, uh, we have been at B Corp since, uh, I think, 2011 now. Uh, we were B Corp number 299 across the globe. Right now, there are 1,442 uh, certified B Corporations around the world, and the, uh, that community is, is growing uh, quite quickly. Of course, a couple of uh, B Corps that people will recognize, one would be Patagonia, and another would be Ben and Jerry's. So from small companies like Oliver Russell to big ones that are consumer uh, brands such as those. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. Now, I want to ask you, as the founder and president of Oliver Russell, what's different about Oliver Russell after becoming a public benefit corp than Oliver Russell as it was beforehand? Oh, gosh. <clears throat> well... I might struggle a little bit with that one. And the reason is that, you know, we kind of embrace the principles and actions of everything that would be required of you becoming a public benefit corporation um, well before we actually had the legislation here in Idaho that would allow you to do that. We actually became uh, Idaho's first legal benefit corporation about two and a half years ago. Um, so what's different about it? Uh, 
So you were I'm public not a, benefit before public benefit was cool, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I'm I'm sole owner of the, the business, so I get to live and die by my own sword. And I jumped into both uh, the Benefit Corp and the B Corp pretty quickly because I was like, yep, that's what we want to do. I didn't have to consult with any other uh, owners or what have you. So it, 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 it felt right. Good. Well, uh, Russ, how does purpose show up? at Oliver Russell, you know, on a day-to-day basis. And and I know it would be very different there because purpose is kind of baked into the DNA now, but what does it look like? And when someone from the outside comes in, it may be easier for someone from the outside coming in, looking at you versus you looking at you. But what do you think is different? How does purpose oh. Uh, well, I think, you know, uh, maybe this goes back to that question of what, what's the difference between a uh, socially responsible company and a social enterprise. Uh, uh, all of our people actually get to live purpose in the jobs by virtue of the type of clients we work with, by virtue of the volunteer uh, opportunities that uh, we pursue. And I think if, if I think about it, Perhaps the best way that employees at a company can really embrace and understand purpose is through intentional volunteering uh, in in the community. And ours goes well beyond, you know, doing a, a rake up the town or paint the town type deal once a year. It's intentional. We have team outings every uh, a month where we volunteer at different nonprofits and, and we get exposed to all sorts of different audiences uh, uh, in the course of this, tomorrow we will be at the uh, a homeless shelter as a team, and we'll be uh, cleaning out their uh, storage and, and serving uh, meals. We've also done any number of other things. We actually sent just about the entire uh, office to the Dominican Republic a couple of years ago on a uh, volunteer uh, experience. So that's that's one of the ways, you know, plus I'm just really fortunate. I work with uh, cool people who respect one another, who are uh, very, very uh, collaborative, have one another's backs. And, and part of it, you know, how, how's it purpose experienced in our office from an outsider? There's just a feeling and a vibe when you walk in here that is different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and how does purpose reflect itself in decision making? Oh, man. Well, you know, we uh, we basically look at our value system when we uh, make decisions and, and refer to that everything from uh, they just don't hang on the wall. Uh, you know, if I think about it, we do not have them hanging on the wall anywhere, right? And that's part of the, the deal, which is uh, we didn't want it to be a place where you put your values and motivational posters or what have you. We wanted to use the values as framework for discussing uh, decisions and actually living rather than having them up on the wall. Um, but, you know... They inform it decisions, everything from like, uh, should we be working with this client who has approached us? And uh, it, it is not rare that we turn clients down, which can be uh, 
very, very tough decision when you need some work coming in the door to everything from, uh, geez, you know, a few occasions, somebody would even uh, call me out and say, you know, I don't think the decision you made was in alignment with our values, in particular, this one. Wow. And it op- opens up the door for a great discussion about that. And it's it's really more about the values than the uh, people. And, you know, there's been several times that I've had to do a mea culpa and say, you're right. Thanks for bringing me back on course. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So I know something about read the book and you, in the book, you talk about that there is a values review. Is that annually where all of the employees assess, you know, instead the performance evaluation is how are we doing living up to our values? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it's an interesting for over 20 years now, we've been doing a workplace satisfaction uh, survey that touches on a number of common elements that are important in, in workplaces. And it's interesting to have, you know, two decades of data to look back and say, geez, how are we doing and what happened at this point in time? And probably about 10 years ago, I light bulb went on for me and I was like, wow, why don't we actually put our values in there as well and give everybody the opportunity to n- numerically rate how we are doing and also open it as a discussion point for uh, qualitative responses around how we're doing as far as our values. And what does that look like? What kind of feedback? Well, no, it, it depends on the year sometimes. And uh, I don't know what influences that. It could be the type of work that we're doing. It could be the, the lack of work. It could be decisions that are made. It could be wins and losses and what have you. But in any uh, given uh, a year, we can look at maybe one of the uh, attributes and go like, wow, that's the one we're going to pull out and very intentionally work on uh, this year. Um, we have always scored pretty high for social responsibility, but a, a few of the other things, not, not quite as good. And, uh, but I'm happy to report that last year was the absolute highest in the history of the agency. Nice. nice. Yeah. Okay. So you've already kind of alluded to a couple of things that you do differently. This volunteerism, this, the employees are monitoring how we're our performance towards our values. Is there something else specific your company does differently because of your commitment to purpose? I, uh, yeah, here, here's one, you know, uh, this past year we, uh, crested the $2 million, uh, mark for lifetime, uh, contributions. Wow. Uh, and that would be cash and, uh, 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 services and for say about the first 24 years that was all giving to nonprofits and that's everything from the the U.S. Uh, women's Olympic uh, fencing team to uh, cre- creation of a human rights memorial here here in Boise and then about three years ago it was like you know what Social enterprises that are for profits are trying to do many of the same things that nonprofits are doing. So we actually started giving for profit businesses cash grants. And then from there, we decided, well, you know, what the heck? Why don't we actually become in equity investors in these uh, social enterprise startups? So the, the evolution has gone from purely a, a, a community donation base to where now we're actually taking ownership uh, stakes in social enterprises that are for profits and are helping them to be successful in the world. That's amazing. 
Uh, and who would have thought that years ago before the, the whole change is made, you know, that you would give or invest in a for-profit where all philanthropy or anything that came under that umbrella was kind of like, oh, it's got to be done to a nonprofit. Oh, I know. It's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, you know, in our little discussion we had before the formal podcast past started, we, you know, talked about uh, things that have changed in, in the world. And it's interesting to me the way business is changing to the uh, point where you never thought some things could actually uh, happen. And, uh, you know, 20 seven years ago when I started the agency, would I have actually said, Hey, you know what? Businesses are going to come around on this whole hawk, but it's, it's happening. And one of the, the areas of emphasis we have now is a new consulting practice, helping CEOs of traditional uh, companies understand the uh, drivers of this change in the marketplace and hopefully see the light uh, to where for a long-term perspective, they're going to actually have to change the way they do business. Okay, so that's a great setup for the question I want to ask you. This comes straight from the book. Awesome. This line, purpose is an incredibly powerful tool in the workplace. Once people have a taste of it, they want more. If a competing provided, this lack of purpose prevents a barrier to departure. Purpose is certainly not insurmountable, but it's formidable. So what's purpose taste like? That's... Oh, what does taste like? Well, uh, holy smokes. Uh, I guess you're going to uh, take me at my word there. Uh, it, well, you know, uh, once you've experienced purpose and a job that has more than simply a, uh, a paycheck. So, you know, purpose, you can look at it in, in several different ways. One of which would be like, hey, mastery of your vocation, whatever it is, to have the vocational uh, expertise around skills. And that's a driving purpose. Another one could be, hey, the community is actually a huge part of my purpose. And oftentimes people find that outside of work, which is not the case when you're at a purpose-driven enterprise because community is at the uh, heart of that. And then the last aspect there is like a cause to actually reach out, have a higher purpose, help someone beyond yourself. There's just no way that you can replicate that experience. And I think everyone understands that, whether they're contributing $5 to a local non Nonprofit, whether they're holding a door open for a senior citizen, whether they're volunteering at a food bank. And, you know, uh, that, that's a very natural thing. And uh, what's that taste like? I don't know what dopamine tastes like, but that's what gets activated in your brain, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, bit of a trick question there. But, yeah, it is. It, it's just satisfying and gratifying at so many levels that once you have it, you, you don't want to do without it. But yeah. the, the opening line to that. Uh, passage I read. Purpose is an incredibly, incredibly powerful tool in the workplace. So back to this consulting work you're doing with more with, with CEOs, CEOs of more traditional companies. How are you helping them see the power of purpose in the workplace? <clears throat> Well, you know, a lot of that gets uh, driven by uh, the millennial generation, 
And, you know, right right now in the country, unemployment is generally pretty low across most of the uh, markets. The fight for talent is really, really tough. And so if you're going to attract the uh, best and the brightest, you're going to have to have a level of purpose in your business or else they'll look at two like sort of offers and go to the one that actually uh, provides that for them. So it's an incredible uh, a tool to help you uh, attract the best and the brightest. And it's also a great uh, re retention uh, uh, tool as well, which helps you keep people. And it goes back to that once you've tasted, you're not easily going to be swayed to leave. So uh, uh, that's why I think at its root cause, it's really, really important um, in, in the workplace is that it's all about making a, a healthier, more efficient, more productive workforce. All right. What does leadership look like? At Oliver Russell, or how does your commitment to purpose, understanding and practice of leadership? Oh, I'm glad you added that second one, because the, the first one, what does leadership look like here? I'd have to say, boy, you should ask the other folks, not me. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they give you the uh, truth. Mine's flavored by my own bias, I suppose. I, I think I have traveled a, a path where I've become incredibly uh, more open, less controlling, and welcoming of letting people do their jobs, not overworking them, trying to put a, uh, a I guess, a premium on a work-life balance around here. And some of that stuff is really tough. You know, you come old school and you're like, wow, somebody's going to be working from their house. Are they actually going to be uh, working or are they going to be screwing around or wow, you know, we got a lot of work to get done here. Can we put it off just one more day instead of cranking it out uh, all night? So um, it, it's taken me a while to get there, but I think it has paid benefits for the business uh, immeasurably. It's, uh, I can tell you, my own, my own vibe is it's a wonderful place to work. I have a beautiful team of uh, uh, people here, and I look forward to coming to work most every day. And I think the other people would probably echo that. Okay. I have that vibe. I haven't been there yet. You know, I've had the opportunity to connect with Alexander Karulf, who's calls himself chief happiness officer, author of the book, Happy Hour is Nine to Five. And Alex and I were talking one time that you really can get a pretty good read on the culture of an organization in just a few seconds once you enter the building. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. And that's that the great un, unmeasurable, that intangible, back to that vibe aspect. There's just something in the air and you can feel it, whether it's uh, positively charged ions, whether it's just a, a sound that uh, uh, hits you. It is uh, incredible in that regard. And I guess that just goes to humans having five senses and varying being very acutely aware of what those might mean through evolution. And you could walk into one building and it's basically telling you, like, get the heck out of here. And another one is like, hey, I want to stay longer. I want to see what's going on here. So what are some fun encounters that the pursuit of purpose has opened for you through work? Fun encounters. 
You know, I have fun encounters every dang day. And uh, you know, anything else, it's uh, working with all these social entrepreneurs that we're fortunate enough to count as, as clients here. Uh, you know, they're everything from uh, uh, startups that are lean, mean, young and aggressive and, and have a product that intentionally is, is solving one of the world's great problems, they hope, to uh, people of uh, our age, kind of middle-aged and beyond, who've had fantastic uh, careers and have decided, you know what, I'm not a retirement dude. I'm actually going to start a new company and it's going to be a social enterprise. And we're working with these people. It's fun. It's energizing. It's challenging. Uh, so that that's kind of, I, I don't know what I'd say is like some of the fun stuff I've done. Um, it's actually the uh, interactions and relationships you have with people. And then on the uh, Oliver Russell front here, I really think it's the volunteering that I think is the most fun mm. that I have here. And the others do too. And oftentimes it comes up uh, on a day where you're like, oh, crap, man, I have no spare time for volunteering. I should just bag out. But you don't. You feel compelled. You go and you volunteer. You have a great time. You talk with your coworkers about everything except work. You get to help people and you come back and we have a, a volunteer lunch every time we uh, come back to the office and everybody is just on a natural high when we do that. So that's, that's fun to me, man. <laughs> and then that work that was so overwhelming probably gets done a little more easier in the afternoon. A little more easier. You know, we also do uh, yoga once a week uh, here in the office. And uh, today's the yoga day. And it's that exact same thing when you uh, come out of yoga over the noon hour, the afternoon looks and feels entirely different, pretty special. So what hope do you have that that purpose powered business is spreading and that more people are drawn to it and it's bad as some people have thought it might be? Oh, well, uh, you know, I look to the numbers. There are any number uh, of, of research uh, findings out there from uh, very reputable bodies that uh, social enterprise is, is growing, uh, whether that's the amount of dollars that are being spent in a purposeful way, whether that's the for formation of benefit corporations and, and B corporations, um, and all the way through, if you look at uh, the flow of capital and impact investment, it's growing very, very large. And of course, uh, oftentimes, if you're an investor, what you're trying to do is uh, minimize risk. And many of the precepts of being a social enterprise actually do just that from being good environmental stewards to uh, being involved in the community in a beneficial way. So it's, it's everything from the people who are spending the money, from the workers who are choosing where to uh, spend their uh, time and uh, uh, talent to uh, investors who, of course, wield an awful lot of uh, clout. And we're starting to see there that they're actually hastening a formation to that. Mm -hmm. Well, Russ, this has been a delightful conversation. Our, our time's coming to an end here. But before we go, I've got to ask you this. What would you say to a business owner or a, a leader in a business that's listening? And they're, they're early on that journey. They're wanting to more deeply incorporate purpose into their business and more closely align their business life with their personal life as it goes to purpose. What would you say to them? 
Oh, I'd say, you know what? Uh, uh, I'd probably confirm their uh, suspicions that it's a lot more work than they've had to do with the traditional based business. But I'd also say that nothing ever truly worth having had doesn't come without a lot of work. And the reward you'll get from it is something that you can't even anticipate today. Wow. Wow. So opens opens a lot of doors too. Here's one of the great secrets of the social uh, entrepreneurial community. All the doors are open, man. Just like you and I talking today, just like a business a CEO in Munich I talked to yesterday, to a CFO in Paris that I talked to uh, last week, to somebody in in Michigan. I mean, it's it's really amazing how open and accessible uh, social entrepreneurs are. That is such a great observation and insight, Russ. I, I love it. And, and yeah, and everybody's in it for the same thing. I mean, it, creating the common good is not just the common good in your community. It's not just zip code related. Benefits yep. to the common good around the world. Exactly. Well, hey, if people want to continue the conversation with you or they want to get the book, how do they do that? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, can, uh, conversation with me. I'm on uh, uh, Twitter and, and LinkedIn, Instagram as, as well. My email is rstoddard, S-T-O-D-D-A-R-D at oliverrussell.com. Uh, um, and as far as the book goes, it's available on uh, Amazon. And I've also got an uh, author website, russstoddard.com, uh, where you can purchase the uh, uh, book and uh, follow along with some of my musings. All right. Well, Russ, thank you so much. This has just been a delight. And I know it's enriched the conversation we're having here about purpose-powered business. Thank you, Russ. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Hey, Russ, thanks so much for the stimulating conversation you shared with us today. I appreciate the candor with which you described the journey. It's not always easy, but it's always worthwhile. I hope you can relate to that. I know I certainly do. I love the sense of joy and fulfillment Russ has found through his work and how others are also benefiting in many ways from the work of Oliver Russell. Some of those are direct, like the employees, the clients, and the organizations they serve, and others are indirect, the community and those impacted as a result of the work that Oliver Russell and their clients do. Then, There are these others who benefit and don't even know because of Oliver Russell's commitment to the environment and the community. Isn't that amazing? I also enjoyed the fun we had about the taste of purpose. Once you've tasted purpose, you want more, and anything less doesn't really satisfy. And I love what Russ said. Purpose is formidable. So incorporating purpose into your business, it produces dividends. Now, you don't do it for the dividends, but the dividends are an amazing bonus to incorporating purpose. And the other thing I want to share is is something, I'm not sure if Russ actually said it, but it's what I heard, and I think about it a lot. Purpose is palpable. You sense it. You feel it. Purpose the atmosphere. For Russ... And the work of Oliver Russell, purpose attracts. It attracts clients. It attracts talent. It attracts partners. And it attracts resources. Hey, if you're wanting more purpose in your business and work, I'd love to engage you in a conversation. 
Really, I would. I'm creating some space in my calendar for short, introductory conversations to talk about anything in your mind related to purpose in business and purpose at work. The call is free, and it's totally focused on you. You can book your call by going to kevindemonroe.com forward slash talk, T-A-L-K, kevindemonroe.com forward slash talk. I look forward to speaking with you soon. And until we connect here again on the Higher Purpose Podcast, I encourage you to live, love, and lead with purpose. If you want to take the leap from being inspired by purpose to being powered by purpose, then you should download the Purpose Manifesto. The Manifesto is a call to action, a challenge to live and work in alignment with your purpose and see the results you know are possible. Get it at kevindemonroe.com slash manifesto.